Great to see all of you that made it in, nice and rainy. Good day for church. Oh, you all look so gloomy. Come on, like that's like, geez. Just because we had a great day yesterday, that's not the last great day we're going to have this summer. Well, we are. Uh, I am uh, talking about how do we let the Holy Spirit guide us. Uh, uh, how do you let the Holy Spirit guide you? And uh, today I have a, a pastor in. Uh, the house here, and you know, I can only do this to a pastor, which is like to give him no warning about what I'm going to ask him to do. So, Bill, will you, uh, will you come on up here? Bill's all primed up. He's got no idea what's, what I'm going to ask him, but it's going to be really good. <laughs> don't trip, Bill. I don't care whether you can talk. You <laughs> so this is Bill Elander, and, uh, and Bill was one of the first vineyards uh, to start on the East Coast. So uh, Bill, I, I know you're here for a whole different reason today, because Bill's got a, a session that he's doing after church today for those that are interested in becoming spiritual directors. Now, uh, for those of you that were like good prospects, we've already emailed you, but uh, if you're like, I always wanted to be a spiritual director, and I didn't get that email... Uh, you can just speak to Bill afterwards. But that's got nothing to do with why he's up here. Bill, what I want to hear is uh, when you started your church in Connecticut, one of the first vineyards on the East Coast, were you the first, second, third? No, maybe the third, third or fourth. Third or fourth vineyard on the East Coast when the whole thing got going. The, the question I want to ask you, I know you've rehearsed this perfectly because I haven't given you no opportunities, is how did you hear God's voice? How did God speak to you? How did you hear God to do that? What? I'm sure that's like an easy answer. <laughs> How much time do you have? I mean, that's, there's a, well. I always give people about 30 seconds before I yank. <laughs> okay. As long as you like, as long as it's less than no, a minute. No, less than a <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I had, uh, I grew up in New Haven, and I became a Christian in New Haven, um, moved to California when I was 25, and really loved being in California. It was just like uh, I had a job. I found a church that I liked. And I really was very happy there. And one day the Lord interrupted my life. And uh, I was working, doing a very mindless job. And, um, and I just had a vision. I, just, I, was, I was just thinking. And all of a sudden in my mind, I saw uh, the ocean front where I lived. I, I live right on the water saw the beach, and I saw all my friends walking along this one sidewalk that we all used to hang out in. And, we, you know, it was, the, it was the local teen, young person hangout. And, um, and I saw my friends. I saw not just faces, but I saw, I mean, not just blank faces, but I saw all my individual friends. And all of a sudden, as I'm, as I'm watching them, I looked, and, and I, I just had this unbelievable compassion come over me. And I said, God, how are they going to know you? Because at that time, 1976, um, there weren't any churches in Connecticut in the New Haven area that were relevant to young people. Um, you had to, if you became a Christian, you kind of had to work your way into a whole different culture. And I never did that. When I was a Christian in Connecticut, I never really felt part of a church. And then I went to California was part of Calvary Chapel. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Calvary Chapel churches, which was basically a bunch of 
long-haired hippies like me. And, uh, just like you are now? Yeah, just like I am now. We can just picture it. Anyone have a wig that I can put on? <laughs> and I had I, like hair down to here. And, uh, <clears throat> and, 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 and I just, my, my heart broke for them. And, and, and I said, Lord, how are they going to find you? How are they going to know about you? How are they going to hear without all of that extraneous culture stuff? And the Lord said, I want you to go back and give them what I've given you. Okay, so let me break it down for those of us that are trying to fathom this out. So when you're sitting at a day job and, yeah. you, and you get a, you, you're awake yeah. and you get this picture yeah, exactly. in your mind's eye. Your eyes are open. You get some sort of picture. You're, you're picturing New Haven. Right. And then are you feeling some sort of emotional response when you see your friends and they yep. don't? So there's a... I feel compassion. I You're feel, feeling a compassion. I'm feeling compassion. I'm feeling sorry. Not sorry, but, you know, I just have a heart for them. And then you're sensing, okay, God's speaking to you personally to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, it was almost, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was that one instance was the clearest I've ever heard from God in my life. Wow. I okay. mean, it, was, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a crystal clear voice in my head. So you just, like, and you knew this yeah, was, this was and God. I was not ready for it. I was not looking... Uh -huh. for a word from God. I wasn't looking for direction in my life. In fact, I was really happy I was in California. And when I drove out of Connecticut, I said, I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> Have any of you done that? <laughs> it's a dangerous thing to, to, say to say to God. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. That's really helpful. Appreciate okay. it. That's it. All, right. All that to say is God speaks to each one of us well, let me just stop. All right, that God speaks to each one of us. All right, just we've got to get that in our head. Now, how He speaks to us is different. And that's why, uh, you know, a topic like today's topic is always relevant because whatever stage of life you might find yourself in, we need to hear God. We need to get God's direction. We need God's input. Uh, you know, we're trying to figure out uh, from our standpoint, our questions for God are normally not actually we're. God is trying to answer us. For instance, our question for God is, you know, what about my job? Uh, should I take this job? Can I get a better job? Will you give me another job? Uh, or I'm trying to sell my house, or I'm trying to buy a house, or uh, I need money for this, or, you know, I've got really bad health problems, or somebody in my family's got health problems. God, please, will you do something about it? I mean, those are our typical, God, I, I want to hear your voice. Respond to me, please. Uh, and often, uh, <clears throat> God is up to something totally different. He's certainly interested in that as well, your day-to-day -day, uh, concerns and affairs. He's interested in that. But he's often up to something bigger or different or unexpected. So in Bill's case, he's just happily going along, uh, doing some sort of job. I don't know what you were doing, Bill, but your day job. And here God is up to something much bigger and more complex than you would have ever imagined. And in this particular case, you would think, Okay, if you're going to start a church and you're going to be a pastor, uh, you know, there would have been weeks of fasting and prayer and you would have memorized the whole Bible at that point. And, uh, you know, you just would have been, yeah, that's the way we would think about it, going about it and go to seminary and get, every, you know, get all sorted out. And then God just has a whole different plan. Okay, so I want us to um, look at how God has spoken in the Old Testament, and then how God is speaking to us in the New Testament. Now, th 
You know, the Old Testament is extremely helpful and very rich when it comes to stories, God's stories, uh, and they're very helpful to us. And uh, the other thing the Old Testament is really helpful is to understand how people connected with God and how God connected with people. I mean, that's the richness of the Old Testament. Uh, now, we are living under a new covenant, a new testament, so there are differences in how we uh, relate to the Old Testament, but how God relates to people and how we relate to God, it's rich reading in the Old Testament. So uh, I'm going to be um, hanging out in chapters uh, 9 through 12 of 1 Samuel. So if you've got a Bible and uh, you want to make your way into 1 Samuel, and then we're going to get to Galatians chapter 5 in a bit. So uh, I don't know, dog, put a dog collar or Bend the page on that, or if you've got a, uh, if you're following along on your phone Bible, that's fine too. Um, but uh, let's just look at the story of how Samuel anoints Saul, and uh, how this uh, whole event uh, takes place. So, just setting the stage, <coughs> Old Testament, uh, the 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 Israelites have moved into the Promised Land, and uh, for a season. Things were going really well, uh, and then typically what happens, and this is a pattern which I've alluded to often, uh, it happens for us today, and it's something like this. Uh, we go through a lot of hardship, we pray, God answers, He directs, things go well, we forget about God, and uh, we think we can do it our own way, and uh, we've got what we needed, we're comfortable, and then things start falling apart, and uh, then we cry out for God again. And so uh, the book of Judges, uh, goes Judges, Ruth, and then Samuel, the book of Judges, the last verse in the book of Judges is just very depressing because it's a summary of where people are at. And it says this, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Okay, now just like let that just settle in because we do the same thing. You know, we, we, we come to church, we believe in Jesus, and then things go well for us, and then we just do what's right in our own eyes. We think we've got it all under control. We think we know what's best. And, you know, if, you, uh, if you're uh, a sort of a nominal Christian, it looks like this. Uh, it's like, okay, I'm in charge of my life. Now, Jesus, what I need you to do is I need you to heal this person. I need you to find me a job here. I want you to sell my house at a really high price, and I want to buy one at a really low price. That's what I need you to do, and I'm going to pray about that. That's what our Christianity looks like. And let me just say, it's lame. <laughs> and then we say, I just don't hear God. I, I just, I, Pastor, I just like, I can't hear His voice. I'm like, yeah, because it's like a, God's like interested in a whole different thing. He's interested in you. And more than that, He's interested in not you being king, but Jesus being king. And like, let Jesus be in control. Let Jesus be Lord, and you follow Him. And this is the mystery of Christianity. As we follow Jesus, our life just goes great. As soon as we say, Jesus, you've done a lot, but you know, now I'm in control, and I'm in charge. Now, let me boss you around. It doesn't go well. And then we wonder why. Okay, so let, let's uh, look how this story unfolds. Now, uh, in, uh, in the story of Samuel, uh, you've got Samuel who's been a prophet. He's been what's called a seer. He's led Israel 
through God where God would speak to this individual. And you'd say, okay, let me uh, give you prophetic insight. Let me give you wisdom. You can solve people's problems. And I'm going to give you direction on how to lead the people. And uh, Samuel did a wonderful job of this. Uh, Samuel was a faithful uh, follower of God. Uh, but the people kind of got irritated with Samuel. It's like, you know, everybody else has got a king. And those kings do an awesome job. They're like beat up on everybody around them. And uh, Samuel, you're just like a, a, some sort of a weird priest guy. And, you know, you don't do any fighting. You're not like a real king king. And we want to be like victorious and champion. And we want to be mighty. And we want a king like that. And, and Samuel's a little miffed. And he's like, okay, uh, if you want that kind of a king, it's not going to go well for you. Uh, but God in his... A uh, wonderful way, sort of listens to what people are asking for. In this particular case, gives them what they're wanting, which is not a good thing. But it's kind of complex because when God was speaking to Father Abraham, he said, you will have a kingdom, meaning a king, that's going to be in your lineage. So, you know, the Israelites were sort of on the right track wanting a king. They just weren't on the right track demanding that Samuel wasn't good enough. And the idea of a king wasn't God's idea of what a king should look like. So that's the whole backdrop. Uh, let's pick up the story in, uh, in Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, there's four ways that I want us to see how God speaks to us through the story. The first way is just ordinary, uh, we're unaware of God doing something. It's the story that Bill just uh, shared with us. He's going about his daily stuff, and God in the background is up to something, and then he kind of pulls us into what he's up to. And let me just say that's a very common way that God is working in your life today. And your job is to have the sensitivity to be aware of what God is doing in your life and, in, in, and around your life. That, that, that's that part. So the first part of how the Holy Spirit guides us looking at the Old Testament in the story is the ordinary way that we are just unaware of. The second way uh, is what I'd call the normal way. Uh, we pray. God, we need guidance. You know, are you out there somewhere? Help. You know, sell my house. Uh, you know, help me out. We pray. That's normal. That's uh, the normal way. And then we have the spectacular. And uh, I think it's important that we constantly remind ourselves of the spectacular because God has the ability to do like the impossible. I mean, He's God. And so we always want to be lifting ourselves up where we can expect God to do the impossible in our lives. Uh, we, we don't want to limit God just to sort of a human understanding. We always want to be uh, living with a, a sense of expectation that at any point in our lives, God can do something dramatic. And, the, and, and, and that should be a, a, an expectation that, like, okay, we have hope in this. Uh, God can do something that we can't, you know, orchestrate. So there's that to look forward to uh, in this story. And then the fourth way that uh, God speaks to us, it, it's called what I'm calling the weird. And what I mean by weird in this case is silence. It's like, it's weirdly silent. God, I'm getting nervous because you're not saying anything, and I know you're listening. 
Okay, that, we'll pick up those in the story. So let's, uh, let's uh, just see if we can recognize uh, these different ways that the Holy Spe Spirit speaks to us uh, in the story. So uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, we have the story unfolding in 9 verse 3. One day, Kish's donkeys strayed away, and he told Saul. So Kish is uh, Saul's father, and uh, his donkeys have got lost. And he says to Saul, take a servant with you and go and look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled throughout the hill country of Ephraim and the land. And he goes this whole different area around, and uh, he's looking for donkeys. Not a very spiritual exercise. He's just doing what you will be doing tomorrow. You're just going about your work, and he's looking for donkeys. Finally, they enter the region of Zuf, and Saul says to his servants, let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. Okay, so from the surface, God is up to absolutely nothing. They're unaware of what God might be doing. They're just doing the everyday Monday thing, looking for donkeys. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, but, you know, your everyday thing. And then uh, here you have the servant. Now, notice how God often uses, like, the servant, like the humble, like the not-so-smart or the not-so-prestigious. I mean, God uses everybody, but, you know, here's the servant. The servant says, I've just thought of something. What a brilliant idea. Uh, there is a man of God who lives here in this town. He's held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go and find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. I mean, think of this. They're looking for donkeys for crying out loud. And now they're going to go and find the man of God and say, hey, man of God, like, we're looking for donkeys. Any word from God where our donkeys might be? You know, and... And this is the servant, and the servant's saying, this might just be a good idea. I mean, like maybe God is interested in really basic, simple things like donkeys, you know? And so the servant is saying, this is not rude, this is not like weird. Uh, and, you know, Saul, he's like, oh, well, okay, whatever, we've done everything we can in our own strength, we've looked everywhere, we had a loss, might as well try God. I mean, you know, last resort, right? I think we also work that way. And then he says, yeah, we don't have any money to give him, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then verse 8, well, the servant says, I have a small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. And uh, verse 10, all right, Saul agreed, let's try it. So they started out into the town. You know, so there you go. Let's just try it. You know, I was like, oh, we've tried everything else. Well, I might as well try prayer. You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe God's up there somewhere and maybe he'll listen. I mean, this is not like... High faith stuff. This is like low ball faith stuff. But in the meantime, uh, we're about to uh, move from, okay, the ordinary, it's just day-to-day -day living, we don't realize God's in the background, to pick it up a notch, uh, let's pray, maybe God will answer our prayers. Uh, so they're going out of, you know, look for a, a seer, they're not even praying on their own, it's like we need somebody else to help us, see what God's up to. And then in the meantime, God is doing something like supernatural, like it's totally awesome. It's like spectacular. And we, in this story, get to see what God's up to. You know, it's like the, the curtain gets drawn open and we're like, wow, God's been planning something. And uh, we get to see what he's planning. It is like a lot of fun. This is, this is great stuff. And so in verse 15, 
uh, we pick up the rest of the story, and it says this. Now, the Lord told Samuel the previous day. Wait a minute, the previous day. So this is before Samuel went out looking, uh, before Saul went out looking for the donkeys. God was already at work. And uh, God being God, he kind of knew the way this was going to work out, that uh, Saul and his sidekick are going to be running around the hillsides, and they're going to come unstuck. And uh, then what seems to be just like ordinary event, uh, let's go look for a seer. And it just seems very like non-God. God knew all the time that this is the way this thing's going to play out. Uh, so reading again, verse 15. Now the Lord told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. Whoa. The first king. Anoint this guy. Now, now think of this from Samuel's standpoint. Samuel's a seer. Samuel hears from God. Samuel gets pictures. What picture did God actually give him? Did he speak to him audibly? Did he do what he did to Bill? Did he just give him an impression of this guy? Uh, it seems like God just sort of gave him an impression, like some dude's going to show up. And when he shows up, I'll tell you who he is, and you'll recognize him. And Samuel, being a man of God, he's kind of used to walking in God's ways. So yeah, he's not losing sleep about it. He's just participating with God in what God is doing. That's why Samuel was so awesome. So about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him to be the leader of my people. He will rescue them from the Philistines. For I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. Verse 17, when Samuel saw Saul... The Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Okay, now, we don't know exactly how God communicated that. There's no sense that this was an audible voice. I don't even get the sense that there was a picture. Uh, there was a sense, I'm guessing, that Samuel just going about, doing whatever Samuel was doing that day, knowing that, okay, God's going to send him some guy, and I'm sure there's lots of guys coming and going in front of Samuel. And all of a sudden, there's something in Samuel which says, that's the guy. And he's walked enough with God to know that he's probably right. He's probably not 100% sure, but he's probably like 99% sure that that's the guy. And so just, uh, just then, Saul approached Samuel at the gateway. So, you know, Samuel's just sitting at the gate. People are coming and going in and out of town all day long. Here's the guy. And he says to him, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Now, look at this awesome response. You can just picture, here's old Samuel, he's sitting there. Okay, here's the guy, he comes up. You're looking for me? Yeah, I'm the guy. And so Saul's like, oh, cool, that was easy. We found you pretty quickly. And so Samuel says, go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together. And in the morning, no rush, in the morning, you know, just hang out there, spend a night tomorrow morning, I will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. Because he knows people are always coming to him to ask for questions, to ask God and something, and he says, yeah, I'll tell you tomorrow morning. But by the way, uh, those donkeys that you lost, they've been found. Oh, I better read it, otherwise you think I'm making this up. And don't worry about those donkeys. They were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you 
that you and your family are the, the focus of Israel's hopes. Whoa! He just walked into what God was doing. It was like an incredible moment. It's like just going about his regular business. You know, there's Saul. Oh, maybe the seer will tell us. I mean, who knows? Maybe, perhaps, you know. Oh, sure, let's just show up. And, oh, you're the seer. Oh, great. Lucky us. We found you pretty quickly. What? I'm going to be the king? I mean, like, are you kidding me? How did you know my donkeys were lost? And how did you know they were found? I mean, you've been sitting here. You're an old guy at the gate. All, I mean, just like, can you? I mean, their minds were just like spinning. It's like, wow, God's up to something. He's up to something big. And, uh, and then, I don't have time to read all of the story, but in chapter 10, uh, Samuel starts uh, talking to Saul, and he says, okay, now listen, I'm going to give you three examples. You're going to do this. You're going to go there. When you get to that tree, so-and-so is going to be there. Uh, when you get to this uh, marker point, so this is going to happen. When that happens, you do this. I mean, just like telling him how the next few days are going to roll out. But uh, in chapter 10, verse 5, I do want to read this. The third example, he says, When you arrive at Gibeth of God, there will be where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp and a tambourine, a flute and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. And then he tells him this. I mean, this is like big stuff. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. And you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. Whoa, you talk about a very specific prophecy that is loaded and that is powerful and that is life-changing. This is one of those prophecies. I mean, it is 100% accurate and it like has major implications. And, you know, here again, just picture Saul. He's at the gate just looking for donkeys. It's like, what the heck? How do, I, how do I go from this to being like anointed and king and prophesying? And, you know, it's like, what? And so, and then he says, and then go down to uh, Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. So, you know, this is the way God works. Uh, he works in miraculous ways. He works in ordinary ways. He works where He responds to our prayer. And He works when we're doing absolutely nothing. Our job and our delight is to connect with God, to have some level of sensitivity to God. What are you up to? And when we pick up on what God's up to, is to respond to that, like obey, to do what God is, is asking us to do. So... You know, uh, we, we could have like a hundred stories today of how God is speaking to people and directing people and, and influencing people. Uh, and, you know, each one is different and each one is fun and each one is unique. I mean, I, I'm sure I could ask, you know, 99% of you in this room to tell me a way God has spoken to you. Uh, one way that God has encouraged you, you know, where you really, with hindsight, it turned out this was God. And each story is, is just really encouraging. That's why we enjoy sharing each other's uh, testimonies and hearing about uh, each other's stories. Uh, I do want to uh, just point out before we get out of the Old Testament and move into Galatians is the weird, the silence. And that's in uh, chapter 14. And I uh, want to read this 
section quickly. It says this. Uh, now Saul is king and they're busy chasing the Philistines all over the show and beating up on them. And, and it says this. Uh, Saul says, let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, we'll do whatever you think is best. Now, Saul is just not known to be like a spiritual giant. You know, Saul, it's helpful for us to read these stories of Saul because many of us can identify with Saul and many of us know people that have this kind of spirit that Saul had. Saul is sort of like grown up in the in the sort of faith that's around him. He's seen seers, he's seen prophets, and he knows what should be done, but he's not like really enthusiastic about it. It's like people saying, I know I should go to church, but you know, later, or you go, just tell me what happened. You know, he's just like not excited about it. So one of his sidekicks says to him, uh, how about we ask the priest first? Let's ask God first. So, in verse 37, Saul asked God, and it's sort of this kind of a prayer. Oh, God, should we go up after them, those Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? Uh, and, you know, God, I know we're supposed to pray, and, uh, you know, look, man, we're winning. We're beating up on these guys. Do we really have to ask you, God? But, yeah, I know I have to. I'm religious. I, I know I have to just check in with you. So, God, you know, what do you think? And then there's nothing. All of a sudden, Saul is like, wait a bit, nothing. God, and it becomes like a weird nothing. Finally, you know, Saul is like, there's something wrong here. God would have, should have said, because I asked, you know, sure, just go ahead and beat up and I'll be with you. Nothing. He doesn't say don't do it. He doesn't say do do it. And so Saul says to the leaders in verse 38, something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. So, you know, here's Saul. He's got enough, like, casual spiritual smarts to tune in that there's something wrong. But he doesn't have enough spiritual smarts to pursue God and to do God's thing and to live for God. He's kind of like wishy-washy. I mean, he knows when he, he's got God's blessing, but he doesn't have enough sort of strength of character to say, I'm going to pursue God in the good times and in the bad times, and I'm going to live my life pursuing God and asking for God's blessing. It's kind of like I just ask God when I need Him, and it doesn't go well for Him. That's, that's the upshot. So with that as a backdrop, uh, I want us to look at how God and the Holy Spirit is a little different in the New Testament to the Old Testament. Uh, and one of the big differences is this. In the Old Testament, God would do what He's just done to Saul. He would empower him with His Holy Spirit. Saul would then disobey God and do his own thing, and God would remove His Holy Spirit. In fact, sometimes God would allow evil spirits to torment Paul, uh, Saul. But in the New Testament, we have a whole different deal with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, um, at the men's retreat, they were looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, there's a section there that they were sort of zoning in on, and that is how the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And one of the th ways the new covenant is better than the old covenant is the, the new covenant is like permanent. And the Holy Spirit is permanently with us. 
It's not like the Holy Spirit is just given to one or two people and God withdraws the Holy Spirit's power and then puts on the Holy Spirit. As New Testament believers, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is with us and the Spirit stays with us and the Spirit guides us and the Spirit comforts us. Now, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can resist the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. I mean, it's a, a, the new covenant is a, a much better deal. I mean, it's like upgrading from, you know, a Windows 7 to an iPhone or something. I don't know, you know, just like a, it's a big upgrade. Okay, you guys are all Mac guys or you're not Mac guys. I'll have to use a different analogy. You run out of space on your computer and you get like cloud storage. I don't know. It's just a big upgrade and it works. I, I, I forgot to mention that part. Like a Windows 10, but like better. Kind of. Where's Henning? Are you here today? Oh, Henning. I've got to beat up on Henning. You see, Henning like, doesn't like iPhones. And I've never been an iPhone guy. And finally, I went to Henning. I said, Henning, I just got this iPhone. The thing works awesome. And Henning's saying, yeah, but the previous phone you had was like eight years old. Of course, any phone would be awesome compared to that thing you had. It's a big upgrade. <laughs> we get a big upgrade in the New Testament. I mean, like we get the Spirit of God to be with us, and it works. I mean, it's a great upgrade. Believe me. All right, so we are, we're going to look at Galatians quickly, and there's only a, a short verse. Galatians says this, 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Okay, as Christians, this is not optional. It's not like, let the Holy Spirit guide your life when you're in crisis. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life like when you're desperate. No, as normal, everyday Christian living in the New Testament, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And now, in that same breath, we get like this incredible insight that there's more to our life than what, we, what appears. There's an active enemy force activity involved in our lives. Now, when you become a Christian, you're like, that's the good news. You get Jesus. The bad news is, wow, the lights went on. There's something else around. Uh, there's an evil presence. Now, if you've got a paper version of the Bible, if you're a little old-fashioned, you're not on your, your iPhone version, uh, I want you to, like, circle a word in this sentence. And if you've got an iPhone version, like it, maybe you can get like a color high marker lighter and just like have it permanently over this word. This is the word I want you to highlight. So let me read this whole sentence. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay, I circle that word craves. Because if you get this, you get a whole lot. Uh, there is something active in our life, and it's not neutral, and it's not like minor. Our natural human lives crave, crave things that are not good, things that are evil, things that are not godly. Our bodies crave it. Now, if we'll get this radical contrast, it's super helpful. The Spirit is working within us. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is encouraging us to do what is godly and what is righteous. But at the same time, within us, our evil old self, there's another nature which is saying, I crave to do things which are not good. And in the rest of this chapter, you can read them because I'm running out of time. There's a whole list of things which are just like evil. 
you know, like lust and sexual issues that are problematic and anger issues that are problematic. And then there's another list of a whole bunch of things which are like what happens when you pursue the Spirit of God and you have all these good things happen to you. Now, for outsiders, they would say, you know, Christianity is just a bunch of rules. You, you can't do this. You can't smoke. You can't curse. You can't get involved in pornography. You can't, like, have extramarital affairs. You, you, you can't be homosexual. You can't be this. And it's just like, I just can't, 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 can't. And it's like, no, that's a misunderstanding. Let me, let me just give you the right understanding. There's two natures at work in our, in our spirit. One is pursuing godliness. It's the Holy Spirit. And it says, if you will say yes to the Holy Spirit and do the things of the Holy Spirit... God will change us. He will change our desires and our nature that we will start doing things that are loving and caring and we care about others and we see other people and we want to help other people and we want to love other people. And if you say no to the things of the Spirit, it's all about you and what you want and what you desire and it's not a good place and it's not a good thing. That's the contrast. And the other contrast is what we see in the Old Testament. This whole idea of who's in control. God is saying, I want to be in control. And you and I are saying, no, no, God, I want to be in control, and I want to use you, God, to do what I want you to do. And God is saying, no, 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 you worship me with all your heart. You give me your whole life, not just part. You give me everything. I want to be God, and I want you to follow me. And as you do that, it's going to go awesome for you. I mean, just a lot of great things are going to happen. But if you don't do that, you're on your own, and you've got to deal with the world. So that's our message for today. Why don't we have the worship team come on up? And I just want to pray for us uh, here. Jesus, I pray that we can hear your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we have an expectation that you are good and that you are loving and that you desire to do good things in our lives. You desire to bless us. You desire to lead us. And you know each and every one of us. And you want what's best for us. So, Lord, I just pray for your people. Lord, I pray that there'd be an increased sensitivity and an ability to say yes to you. No matter how risky that sounds or how weird that sounds, but if it's you, they would say yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we stand, if you can, and uh, let's uh, worship, and then uh, we'll close out with communion.